Welcome to Real Talk, Real Women, Breaking the Silence Around Abuse. I am Gemma Serenity, your host, and today we have the honor of having Janine McJanet joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Um, here is the short introduction of Janine Light. Almost born in a taxi cab, Janine Mikchanet has spent the better part of her life figuring out what the impact of growing up as an adult child of alcoholics has had in her life. Living in a toxically chaotic household with alcoholic parents is where Janine's beliefs were created, keeping her feeling unseen, unheard, insignificant, and unloved for many decades. Thank goodness she answered one of her wake-up calls. Janine now shares her passion of breaking the silence of family dysfunction through her work as an integrative health coach, rapid transformational therapist, hypnotherapist, speaker, and poet. Janine specializes in women's empowerment and play, realizing that life is short and we all need to enjoy as much of it as we can with who we want to every single day regardless of our childhood trauma. By focusing on confidence, habits, and beliefs, Janine helps women, people pleasers, and adult children recognize and turn their subconscious fears into conscious freedom by releasing their tenacious childhood stories that have held them captive in their own prison of complacency. Janine is often appreciated for exciting energy, her passion for transformation, and the incredible transformational tools leaving them feeling liberated, independent, and whole. Janine, Janine, is a sorry, Janine is the founder of the Soul Empowerment Lounge and Playground, where women come to feel connected and celebrate through a variety of hypnotherapy, coaching programs, masterclasses, soul challenges and events, guest interviews, and poetry, and through her beloved inner child, poetry. What I'm going to tell you guys is that if you stick around, you will have the immense chance to hear one of her poetry that has been turned into a song. So stick around. Janine, <laughs> it's yours. <laughs> thank you, thank you. And thank you for having me. I'm really excited for this conversation. I love what you're doing and how you're spreading the word and how you're normalizing what abuse is and whatever kind of abuse that is. I mean, we've all grown up with childhood trauma, every single one of us on this planet, maybe not intentionally by our caregivers, but it's happened. And multiple times, you know, right up to yesterday, right up to today, even sometimes. So, yeah. Exactly. Because when we break the silence around abuse, what we do is disempower the abuse and the abusers and empower the victims to become survivors, to become victors, to become absolutely all that they can be. Yeah. And that's, that's what it's about. It's about breaking the cycle of dysfunction. And that's what I spend a lot of my time and energy doing personally in my own family and helping other people do that. It's just there is so much dysfunction. I used to say that um, when I was not quite as aware as I am now, I used to say, I put the funk into dysfunction. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Having a good old time and partying that out. But 
um, you know, as I started to heal and when I really dove in, I'm like, yeah, that's just a form of denial. You're just playing with the words and you're really hiding and stuffing down, you know, what the real root causes were and how they impacted me. And I did that for decades. So I'm that's why I put in there. I'm just grateful that that I answered the one wake up call that I did because it's been beautiful. It's been a beautiful journey since then. And in hindsight, I can see all the pain that was there that was stuffed down. So yeah, my biggest my biggest um, award that I used to give myself was that I was a people pleaser. Yay, I can please people. That's so fantastic. But I didn't understand the toxicity behind it. And so as I tried more and more to get that love, to feel that I needed to belong, to just do for others without doing for myself, um, that's where I started to swim in this kind of mud in the and 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 it was really hard to catch a breath sometimes. That's like at the end of the day, I would just be exhausted. I would be resentful. I would be angry. I would be mad, and I would be drinking um, most of the days, and not it not to a huge extent, like not two or three bottles, not even one bottle every night, but just just to numb that pain, which I was totally unconscious of. So. That's why I think it's all about turning that, you know, the unconscious fear into conscious freedom. It's it's just becoming more conscious and aware, you know, of where we are. Should I ask you a question? Yes, you may. Regarding alcohol, because this is a topic that is, so, we have so easy access to alcohol. It's just a question of money. That's it. Or even just friends. That's enough. So... I mean, in my family, in my family history, there is on my father's side a lot of alcoholism, a lot, because of where I grew up. Every everybody was uh, had their vineyard and 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 made their own wine, their own wine. So, uh, about fifteen years old, I just decided to start to drink. And I totally wasted myself in a way that was irrecognizable in one night. Mm-hmm. And there is one thing I remember. The day I did that, I was actually distraught to want to help my sister who just missed her uh, high school diploma. And she was completely lost regarding what is what, what, what would she be doing with her life because everything was built on that diploma that she did not get and it was like uh, the end of the world. And I was distraught with her supporting her and then I went with my friends and I just drank so much. The truth is that it did not numb that pain. And I was remembering at that time thinking people drink to forget. Let me forget about my sister. But I did not at all. However, the very next day, I was already addicted. And I was already drinking again. Already. For the very first time. I wanted to share that with you because that false belief and maybe it's a it's a true belief. Maybe you're going to, 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 to tell me differently with a different perspective, a different experience. And I'm totally open to that. How is it that alcohol is said to numb the pain? But in my experience, it did not numb the pain, but it wasted my ability to behave normally. 
Oh, you've touched on so many subjects. I think we could talk about this forever. Um, all of the beliefs around alcohol. So you've just come up with some of your own beliefs around what alcohol can do. And one of them is that it numbs the pain. And we know for those who have studied it, the scientists, that it doesn't numb the pain. It creates more pain deeper and deeper and deeper. But as a society, as you mentioned, as a culture, there are all these messages out there that alcohol is for celebration and alcohol is for connection. Alcohol is for social. Alcohol is for numbing pain and relaxation. And it goes on and on and on and on. And these are all beliefs that we grow up with that are bombarded at us from our parents, from our friends, from, from the media, from everywhere. We see it from billboards driving everywhere. Alcohol is is a is an okay thing and it's not an okay thing for the music it's just not there's nothing good about alcohol it's a poison it really is a poison it's got ethanol in it and i'm not preaching against drinking because you can have a drink i don't mind but what i've seen in the dysfunctional family is when people have an alcohol use disorder which is the term that they prefer to use over alcoholism now because it is a disorder and it can be changed um, with enough conscious work around why you are doing it. So it's the pain underneath. So you had a pain. You just showed us there was a pain there. You wanted to numb it. So it does for a moment or two. That first drink that you have actually excites you. Alcohol is one of the few substances that is is both um, something that excites you and something that depresses you. And so for the first drink, and you remember this, it's like, oh, this is so exciting. It's fun. You've got that that high, that energy. And then you have another drink because you want that same excitement and that same high. But what's happening is the depressant part of it is compounding. So every time you take a drink, that depressant is adding up and up and up. For every drink that you have, there is about 20 minutes of euphoria and there's about 40 to 90 minutes of the depressant side so after four drinks or so five drinks or so you're getting into the morning which is where the headache and the hangover and the anger and the frustration comes in you just can't hit that euphoric stage again so you try it again you sober up and then you have another party and you, oh there it is again so you know my parents were both alcoholics and they were far past that stage that there was no more euphoria. It was just drinking. It was drinking to survive because their belief and their physical needs was like, I need this to live. I need this to survive. So I, too, at 15, I was like, oh, I'm going to experiment with this. Everybody else is. And I just got smashed. And it was terrible. I lost control. And we talk about abuse. We talk about physical abuse and abuse from friends and abuse from emotional and psychological, that's when I really started to think, am I worthy? Am I really worthy? And this is part of the my own beliefs and part of a lot of people who I've talked to about alcohol and beyond alcohol, why they don't feel that they're good enough and how it is it causes anxiety and it causes depression. And we live with these beliefs, you know, day in, day out. And they just grow and grow. And we look around and we find evidence. Like, oh, I'm unworthy. Okay, I'm going to... There's some more evidence I'm unworthy. I knew it. So this is the subconscious mind. These are the beliefs that we have, which I am so passionate about changing. And now I know with this thing called neuroplasticity that we can change our patterns 
in our mind, we can tell ourselves different thoughts and we can make different beliefs. And that's incredible. Like what I thought was me, this is me in this little cage. This is me. I'm going to work in a corporate cage for 30 years because that's all I can do. I'm not good enough to do this and I'm not good enough to do that. So in fact, I was my most, I was my main abuser because I just put myself down and down and down that I couldn't do that. I can't do that. I'm not good enough for that. Nobody loves me. All of these beliefs come up from growing up in a dysfunctional family. So it's being able to recognize that and change your belief system, which is not easy. And there's so many different Band-Aid solutions out there from the doctors, take this pill, try this, just, you know, turn your language around. But you really, really have to get down to the root cause of why this behavior is with you currently. And if you want to change it, then you have to do some work. And there's some beautiful modalities out there. There's so many different healing modalities out there that you can just go in and do some regression and find out those events, not relive them, but just capture the feelings from them and connect them to how we are acting and what behavior we have today and what we want to change. And then reframing it and understanding. Understanding is everything. There's so much power in understanding. So understanding that we had the ability to create these beliefs and then understanding that we have the ability to create new beliefs and then creating that reframe and that transformation. So that's a lot of the work that I'm doing as an RTT therapist in rapid transformational therapy and hypno hypnotherapy. It's getting back to the root cause through regression and being able to, to connect, to really understand, oh, that's why I'm doing that. That's why I'm angry all the time. That's why I yell at my kids. That's why I feel so low. That's why I can't speak in public. That's why I bite my nails, whatever it is. There's a root cause to it. And when you can put those two together and connect it and understand it and reframe it and, and create that new neural pathway, it's magic. I mean, it's absolutely magic. It totally is, absolutely. What you describe is exactly the type of healing and transformation journey I went through. Mm -hmm. I, and he, because I am so blessed because after 15 years of domestic violence, beaten, put down and raped, I met my third last and rape husband, Sasha, who happens to know about subconscious quantum physics, stories, wrong beliefs, systems, and all of that. And he has the ear to hear and to listen to all the beliefs I'm able to say just because I'm expressing to him how, how I'm feeling and what's going on and everything. And doing this work of actually writing down the terrible, wrong, destroying belief that you have, such as I'm not worthy, I'm not good enough, uh, uh, I'm ugly, unlovable. Oh God. That's the worst of all. I love, you know, that I tried at the beginning of our relationship, I tried to get rid of him mm -hmm. by telling him, it's not that I don't love you, it's that you cannot love me. Not with, yeah. <laughs> That's a big one. About yeah. that. It's like, what is your perception of yourself? Well, it must, yeah. right? 
that's one of the big ones. I'm unlovable. Nobody can love me because I grew up and I, and, and I associate, I re- really resonate with that too. It's we grow up in an unlovable environment and we create these stories in our head that you can't, nobody can love me. And the same thing, you know, I had multiple short-term relationships. As soon as I got to the six-month mark for the first three boyfriends I had from when I was 15, I would run. Oh, I know the whole the whole parasympathetic system would not override. And I would just go, go, go. And I was like, don't come. No, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. And that's what it really boils down to, even the I'm not lovable. Because when we did things as children... We didn't get the praise that we needed to grow. We didn't get the love that we needed. We didn't have that protection and that safety around us. And yes, it's stories, but they're true stories for every individual. And as a parent, you know, you can easily see how you can say, oh, that's not true. Don't worry about it. Yeah, forget that. You know, that's that's BS, whatever it is to your kids. But their story is different. Oh, she doesn't believe me. Oh, she doesn't have faith in me. She doesn't trust me. Oh, she doesn't love me. Then I'm not good enough. So what am I going to do? And what I did was become a toxic people pleaser. And that was just like, oh, if I could just stuff down my feelings a little more and help someone else, then I'm going to make them happy. And then they're going to like me. And then I'm going to be worthy. So we try and pull and pull and, and, and give and give and give, but we're not accepting and so the balance is way off. And we know this. This is nature. We need that balance. You can even try this. Blow out. As you blow out with your breath, you're giving. Now keep keep blow out again without taking a breath in. And blow it again. And for a fourth time, blow it again. And now take a breath in. And you can see like, yeah, you need that breath. You need that balance. And without that balance... We're going to be in a place of deficit, emotional deficit. So yeah, I can uh, totally associate with that. And and writing is such a powerful, powerful healing modality, which is, you know, whether it's journaling, whether it's writing letters, whether it's writing poetry or songs, or whether it's just writing anything, um, it's one of the ways that that many people learn to get it out to express the pain because if it stays inside it's going to become explosive and it will just like a, it will fester much like a like a volcano and until it blows and then then it's going to blow and nobody likes a blown volcano especially your family right mm-hmm. that's true mentioned writing what kind of poetry do you write well i it's it's poetry it's rhythmic poetry and so I love rhyming. I love words. I'm a wordologist. I really like to play with the meanings um, of words. So I, th- I think I will share a poem with you now. And this is the one that you can grab a song of it. I, I collaborated with an amazing musician in Australia, my best friend's daughter, um, who goes under Little Green. But this is this poem I wrote, and I started, it took me about two years to write it because it was before I... I even thought about writing it. I just had the first eight lines down and I was like, I'm going to do something with this someday. And then that someday came and I just sat on the computer and went, and it just downloaded. I went, wow, that feels fantastic. And so I kept on doing that. So this song I've entitled My Life, um, but I think it's true for many, many people because how many of us, 95 
percent plus in this world come from a dysfunctional family, whether it's addiction at the realm or whether it's some sort of emotional or psychological dysfunction, it has an impact on us growing up and it creates these beliefs. And so I'm going to share it with you. All right. <laughs> Let's go for it. Thank you. Okay. So I was almost born in a taxi cab the night before Halloween. And my mama, she held me in her arms. She said, my little darling, Janine. She said, you'll be my pillar of strength for the next decade or two. But please excuse your dad and me for what we're going to do. We're going to drink and smoke and fight and scream and call each other names. Cards of codependency was one of our favorite games. We tried our best but had no clue of what would become of you. So forgive us, please, my little girl, and please forgive you too. I was almost lost in the sea of words, the ones that she said to me. The fire I saw, the flames it grew. She blamed the family tree. You suffered so much. Well, we all did. I wish I'd been there through your fear. If I could hug and kiss you now, I'm so sorry, my dear. I wish they didn't drink and smoke and fight and scream and call each other names. Alcohol and its foul deeds was by far their favorite game. I tried my best, but I had no clue of what was to come of me. But I've forgiven them and myself as well, and I'm replanting the family tree. I had cheats. <laughs> and that's, that's really, that was written in 2017 and it took two years to come out and I knew that, that it was me. And then I started reciting it to people. And as I got on stages and, and spoke it out, people were like, oh, I really resonated with that. And so that's why I collaborated with it, with someone who's a fantastic musician and has put it to some beautiful music. So that's available for you. We'll put that down in the, in the comments. That's absolutely amazing. Thank you so much. It's, I totally understand when you say it just like came out of you and came out fantastic. Yeah. Because it's divine. The words, those rhymes are divine and the story is a reality of your story. Yeah. Wow. So it's, it's, it's as my mind thinks, I mean, it's rhyme and poetry. It's the rhythm of life. And, and perhaps that's in with the inner child poetry is what I call it, because it's really about expressing and we talked about expressing those feelings those words those thoughts those beliefs and really putting them out there so you could you know be the investigator of your own life and go hmm is that true is that not true yeah i don't think that's true but i thought it's been true forever and ever oh let me just get that untrue and then there's going to be some freedom there so it's moving from the fear to the freedom because that's what it is that's what when we stuff things down, when we don't, when we're not vulnerable, when we're not open and honest and, and truthful, it's fear. It's fear that we're hiding behind. So to sort of break through from that mask of fear and stand out there, like you're standing naked in nature and just like, here I am. I need to express. I need to release. I need to connect. And, and I need to be able to express what's going on in here because we can't as much as we think we can there's not a chance that we can make ourselves better without having somebody in our lives to support and connect with 
is true. That is true. Because we are made to be together. We are made to have vis-a-vis, to have other people around us, to have a relationship. And we are made for that. We are not made to be alone and, and withdrawn and retreated and, and alone. Yeah. And there's tons of studies that show that, is that the more you isolate yourself, the more sick you'll get. Yes. We were born into a community. There used to be an expression which was like, it takes a community to raise a child. And when I first heard that, I cried because I didn't have that community either as a child or as a parent. And I can remember my dear neighbor um, first came over and said, when my kids were little, she said, oh, I'll take your kids any time. Just let me know. And I, I just got goosebumps again. It was like, you mean somebody can help somebody's there for me because my belief my ingrained belief that there was no help that parents you know can't do it all they can't cope with it they have to you know use some substance there has to be fighting and yelling so undoing all of those stories takes a lot of attention right to be able to go it's not true and then it's asking it's asking for the help it's like can you do this instead of saying i'll help you i'll help you it's can you help me? And that's the biggest turning point, I think, in a lot of people who are healing is asking for help. It's the starting point, and it needs to be followed through all the way to the end. Ask for help when you need it. We can't do it on our own. We we are we are humans, and we need to be together, you know? And you know, every time we ask for help, we give a gift. Because we allow the other person to be able to provide help. Yes. Yeah. That is such an amazing feeling. Yeah. So it goes both ways. You ask for help, you actually give the gifts. And it's funny. It's funny. I look for the funny things in life. You look at a room of people pleasers who are always, you know, trying to be the fixer and the solver um, of everything. And they don't want other people to help them, right? Because that is letting go of control. And that's a big root cause of many of the problems. I need this control to make me feel safe, secure, and protected. So imagine a room of people pleasers like, okay, so who wants to go to dinner tonight? Oh, everyone, everyone, yeah. Where do you want to go? Well, I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Oh, do you want to? And nobody can make a decision because they're afraid to put somebody else into a position where they're not in control of it. Does that make sense to you? Absolutely. Absolutely. This is why you, you, you have to have at least one healthy person who can simply make a proposition and see who answers what and see if that works. Yeah. And be open so I think to the ability and to come up with another response and another suggestion. And and I mean, I haven't seen my kids, I see people pleasing tendencies, toxic ones. And I'm like, just make a decision, just make a decision. So I think that might be one of the big take- so takeaways if you've got toxic people pleasing tendencies is to just make decisions quickly, make, start small, make them small. I'm going to, you know, not fuss about what I have to buy or what I have to cook or, or what I have to do. Just do it, just do it, delegate and do, and just be really cognitive be really aware of making a decision quickly and celebrate it it's like did a decision really quickly that's fantastic it's the start of the healing journey i mean it's all of our it's a, it's our choice and we don't 
we don't know it as our choice. We think that we are put again in this little uh, cage of complacency where we can't reach that glass ceiling. We have to stay in. So it's pulling those bars across and stepping outside and then looking back and realizing that the bars weren't even around us. They were just put in front of us by ourselves, you know? It's our choice. One of the big, big things is so I understood during that, that freedom, that freedom acquired through deconstructing limiting beliefs was actually everything that you believe is true is true for you. So choose what you believe is true so that at least it serves you. <laughs> yeah, one of my favorite sayings is just tell yourself a better lie because we tell ourselves so many different lies. How can we just recognize, oh, that's a lie. I want to tell myself a better one because our mind catches on to what we tell it to do. So why not tell it to do something fun or exciting or adventurous or risky or healthy? <laughs> I love it. It's again, it all comes down to our choice. And I've got another little poem, which is all about choice. And this one was another one that came up to me very, like, there's a, there's a point in time. And if you write or if you journal or if you dance or if you do any movement or any any kind of healing modality, you'll know that there's a time when you just have to get it out, whatever it is. If you're angry, you know, I, I do this thing called swamping where I shut myself, you know, away from my family and I put on really loud music and I just, rah, and I just go with it. And then I put on something very grieving and then I come down to like losing something and then something very empowering at the end, three songs and just keep moving and just move and yell and scream and cry, punch your pillow. Don't have anybody else there. This is what you need to do to express. I, I know we just jumped to to um, anger, but anger is one of those emotions that can really blow up quickly if not dealt with. So how do we deal with it? How do we express it in a regulated way is just by swamping it out. So grab, that's, that's, that's my little tip for today. Grab three pieces of music and let yourself go and just be with it. Um, be present with your feelings. I think that's that's the be big one. Be present with your feeling. Allow yourself to feel your feeling. Yes, sometimes it hurts, but the truth is that it's going to hurt a few minutes. It may feel forever. It is absolutely some minutes. Yeah, yeah. Is it that bad? It is the more you feel it, the less it hurts, and then the hurt is completely gone because it is dead. And it may come back again, and that's okay. But give it, give it an invitation. I call it like a family, re, an inner family reunion. So you can imagine sitting at a dining room table, and there you are at the head of the table, all regulated and good and healthy. And then you know these parts of you start to come in and show up, knocking at the door, screaming it down, anger, frustration, blame. Come on in, sit at the table. Let me listen to you. What do you have to say? And that's being present with your feelings. Is just like. I'm here to listen to you. And it's not psychotic. This is just listening to the very many different parts that we have going inside of us, yes. giving our parts a voice. Yeah. Absolutely. That sounds amazing. I think we just gave so much value, Andy, tips, solutions, like actionable tools that we can use. I love tools. I love tools. And the more you learn, the more that you use your tools and practice them, 
um, the easier it is to shorten that period of perhaps activated emotion to peace and calm. And I'm not saying that we all have to be like peace and calm and everything's fine, but you want to be in you want to be in control and we don't have control because of all of our baggage but we can control our thoughts we can really control our beliefs as well um yeah but when it comes to choice um i want to share this poem with you i think it'll say a lot through this is again through my story and and it may very well most likely resonate with you um as well Okay, so I think, I think I'm all right, but I used to think that I was wrong. And I know sometimes I'm weak, but I also know that I'm strong. It's this crazy that we call life that we all get to bear. And what makes it so special is our desire and our willingness to share. We can stuff down life's bad bits and we can pull up our masks and we can cover it all up with those people-pleasing tasks. But I have learned to stand up and walk through my pain. And all those valuable lessons are now my sweet gain. I've learned to break free and not hide from the past, but to hold it up with grace and glory and a mighty firm grasp. And I've learned to speak my truth. Oh, and I found treasures galore, simply like walking with my head up and not looking down at the floor. And I've learned to trust my intuition and my on my own journey to heal, I've discovered my passion to connect deeply with zeal. We've all got one life and it's this one right here. So let's cherish it always and not live in fear. Let's welcome our thoughts, our feelings, our emotions and our moods because it's never too late to change. It's your life and you choose. Mic drop. <laughs> this works. That's fantastic. You really have this gift. You have really connected to resist energy completely. Good. Thank you. I have fun with it. I mean, I'm, I'm about fun and I'm with play. How can we Probably. make these traumatic, these these things that happened to us that used to be so heavy and burdensome and Jay say you know what this is normal everybody's got this stuff in their lives how can we make jest of it to a certain degree of course there's pain of course there's hurt and there's trauma but how can we move beyond that and sort of open the doors and just be you regardless of the stuff that we used to carry around you know lighten the load that's what I say <laughs> that is so cool so so cool thank you Thank you, Janine. You're welcome. Our life writer. Oh, well, thank you. Yes, you did. Well, you do too. And that's what we all can do. And it's acknowledging that we have this brightness inside of us instead of, instead of feeling that we're not enough, instead of feeling that we're not lovable. And, and I mean, the majority of us have that, have those root cause things, and they show up in one area of our life or more. And it's being able to just peel that proverbial onion skin off and, and keep shining. I mean, we'll never get to the middle of the onion. Or something I've learned. It's as soon as you're like, oh, I'm better now. It's like, no, I'm not. There's something else. There's something else. Um, 
So I wanted to share with you just one more because this this poem is a little bit more of a motivational poem and it's about what I do. Is that okay to share in real? Yes. <laughs> I had fun with this one. Okay. Um, yeah. So it's called Just Be You, funnily enough, right? Reframe your pain and get rid of the shame and turn around the blame and make your claim why you are on this planet. My name is Janine McJanet, and I help build confidence and make change to rearrange those patterns and games that keep you stuck in the dark muck so that you can chuck what you don't need and you can be freed from all that greed to need control to find and achieve your goal, to make you whole, to revive your soul. So just be you, just be true. You gotta find the clue and shed the glue that keeps you bound. Stand on your ground and look around and speak your truth, speak your vulnerable truth. Yeah, acknowledge your youth. So when you cast into the past, you'll catch the lessons that form your essence to shine in your presence. Just be you, just be true, and bring through your new story, your new glory, your wild desire to fly higher, and your fierce love to rise above. Just be you. <laughs> Absolutely amazing. There you go. So we all have some little gift. We have gems inside of us. What's your gem? How can you get it out there? How can you start playing with your with your pain? How can you turn that pain into power? There's Everybody's got a way. Everybody's so magnificent and phenomenal, every single one of us. And it's just being able to acknowledge it. And that's why I love the work that I'm doing. It's helping to really destroy the limiting beliefs and to get rid of those negative patterns because we all have this desire, like I said, to rise higher, to play more, to have more fun, to be in joy, you know, to enjoy and be in joy. It's, it's what we have inside of us. And so let's crack the shell. Let's get it going and come on out. <laughs> so I love to say. <laughs> Absolutely. Wow. Jenny, thank you. With the bottom of my heart, with everything that I am, I thank you. And me, all the audience, of course, because you really, you really made our day brighter. Oh, good. Thank you so much. You are doing amazing, amazing work here with, with bringing everybody's light to be shined, voice to be heard, um, message to be heard, and and all with the, the intention of helping other women grow and learn and find that empowerment to empower themselves, to inspire themselves that, yeah, it may be a bad day today, but tomorrow is going to be better. And look at that person or that person. They've had really bad days. And now how can it be better? And I mean, I never really did talk about a specific piece of abuse that happened because there was emotional abuse in my family, um, and there was traumatic events like we all have. And I'm, I don't have to get into the details, but kids really, when they see things that they shouldn't have seen, 
it really sticks deeply inside of their mind and inside of their belief system for a long time. And it took me to almost 50 years to remove some of them. And they had a deep embedded path in my whole system. So it's really about allowing yourself to express yourself and working with your next generation so that they can heal. That's really, really powerful. So in creating this or breaking this cycle of dysfunction myself, I became sober two and a half years ago. And my my 16-year-old daughter came up to me just last week. And she said to me, Mom, we have to do an assignment. And I said, oh, good. What are you doing? And she goes, go on, on, you know, inspiring women. And I said, oh, great. Who are you going to do it on? And she gave me this kind of little look. And I said, well, who is like Madonna? That's who I'd choose. <laughs> I mean, the Madonna before as well. And um, she said, no, I'm doing it on you. And then I looked at her and I, I went to give her a hug and she ran. So we chased each other through the house and I caught her and I gave her a big hug. And I said, Janet, I said, well, why? And she goes, because you showed me that change is possible. And your parents had a lot of alcohol and you grew up with that, but I'm not now. And I just was like, oh, that's the best gift that I could ever receive is breaking the cycle and showing that change can be made at any stage. I seek blessed, blessed of you and bless your blessing, your children. And I'm so grateful that your daughter recognizes you. Yeah. I mean, she's still young. She's still got her own journey in front of her. And yeah, she recognizes you. Yeah. And it matters. Well, that totally matters. And it's going to be, it's going to be a little seed in her mind. So maybe on her journey through life, when she's not happy with some of the choices that she's made, that light might come out and go, oh. More than likely. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Blessed mom, Janine. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so, so much. Look forward to speaking with you again. Absolutely amazing episode. Thank you. Thank you.